Hey, welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus, receive his love, and look more and more like him each day. Well, last week we talked about who the Holy Spirit is, but what does the Holy Spirit do? We're gonna find out today. Welcome back. Last week, we looked at some of the names that Jesus gave the Holy Spirit in the book of John, which conveyed the relationship that the Holy Spirit wants to have with us. And because of those three names, we know that Jesus felt it was so important that the early church had the Holy Spirit, that he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, to wait until the Holy Spirit came. And he wasn't exaggerating. The early church was going to need the Holy Spirit to carry out all God had for their lives. And us, as we continue on following Jesus, even here in 2022, we need the Holy Spirit. He's not just an optional add-on for the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is critical to the Christian faith. Every part of our faith is actually influenced by the Holy Spirit. From this understanding of our need for God through salvation when we actually choose Jesus and we allow him to forgive our sins, to walking out this faith of what it looks like to to look more and more like Jesus each day. We say that all the time. The Holy Spirit is pivotal to all of those points in our faith journey. We need him. So before we dive into what the Holy Spirit does in all of these parts on our faith journey, let's pray. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're with us right now. I thank you that you are our spirit of truth as we heard about last week, our spirit of Aletheia. And so would you guide us right now into the truth of who you are and what you do in our lives? Would you allow us to hear from you? Would you allow my own words just to float away? Holy Spirit, we, we want to hear your voice in your precious name. Amen. Well, the Holy Spirit is active in our faith journey even before we have a conscious awareness of our need for God. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, King Solomon writes, He's made everything beautiful in its time. He has also said eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And what he's saying is that we are significantly different from all other forms of creation that God made. We are different from animals, we're different from plants. As humans, we have this innate inborn understanding that there is something more for us, a something else that must be out there. We we're created with it, with eternity set upon our hearts. And so even before we're actually aware of our need for God, God's already been pursuing us. He's already um, been setting up points of interaction with us where we have these kind of like moments of like, huh, something feels different there. Weird. That like strikes something emotionally within me. And at some point, all of that culminates into this meeting. Because eternity is set in our hearts, our spirit recognizes where God is. And so then when the, we have this meeting, this interaction with the Holy Spirit, where we come to go, oh, 
That's what I've been looking for. Oh, you're the one I've been searching for. And the Holy Spirit introduces us to Jesus, that something more that we knew was there, that we were searching for, is revealed to us. And at that point, the choice is ours. Will we accept who God is, who Jesus is? And when we do that really unfair to him, not to us, trade, where we give him all of our brokenness, all of our sin, all of the worst of us, and we accept his gift of forgiveness just because he gives it to us? Or will we not? We have that choice to make at that moment. And we've been talking about this choice and about accepting this saving work of Jesus as we wrapped up our Gospel of John series, as we walked through um, like what would t- traditionally be the Easter narrative as we would walk through the crucifixion and, and the ascension of Jesus. And now we've come to this point where if you don't know God, you have to make a decision. There's this, this faith decision, this crisis of faith, if you will, where you have to make a choice. And the Holy Spirit is there pursuing you and introducing you to Jesus. And you need to make a decision for yourself because God doesn't force us into a relationship with him. And that's all this work that the Holy Spirit does with us before we even meet Jesus. And as we come to that point of decision, we go like one of two ways. And so for the the, uh, sake of this message, for the sake of continuing forward with this message, We're going to say that at this moment, you choose to accept that trade, that you choose to accept the offer that Jesus gives us of forgiveness, the price that he paid on the cross to cover our brokenness and our sin. And if you haven't made that decision, but you would like to, I would love to have a conversation with you. Just shoot me a DM and I would love to have a conversation with you. But salvation is both the end and the beginning of the journey. And this is what I mean by that. It's the end of the journey because salvation is all that's required to be with Jesus for eternity. Salvation is when we come to God and we say, I'm a sinner, but I believe that you died for my sins. Jesus, would you forgive me and wash me clean? Would you be my Lord? And we choose in surrender to follow him in obedience for the rest of our days. So salvation is the end. That's all that's needed. If you made that choice on your deathbed, it wouldn't be like, oh, actually you needed salvation in five years of following me. Thank you very much. No, it's the end. That's all that's needed. But it's also the beginning because it's this first step of this beautiful relationship that we get to have with God while we're here on this earth. And that's a faith journey. We don't always do it perfectly, but we have a God who's gracious towards us. And so the Holy Spirit kind of comes in and he helps us to do this journey of looking more and more like Jesus each day. And that's really just this fancy word of sanctification. And we're going to kind of come back to that in a little bit. This uh, moment where we say yes to Jesus, when we choose that, the Holy Spirit becomes our companion. We're not like the followers that were around Jesus in the Gospel of John. We don't have 
um, the luxury of seeing him physically or hearing his voice audibly, we're not in close proximity like that with another human being. And so Jesus said to his disciples in John, I'm going to go away and it's going to be for your good so that the Holy Spirit can come to you. And so there are so many things that happen in this moment as we meet Jesus. And I want to touch on a few of them. One of the incredible gifts that happen in this moment is the gift of assurance, where the Holy Spirit assures us and convinces us of our salvation. I remember very vividly the first time I gave my heart to Jesus. I was like four, maybe three, and I was wearing my mom's bright blue raincoat because I was cold. And it was in a VBS or a vacation Bible school, like a, a summer um, kind of program. And they had this lady come in, her name was Marilee Dawn, and she gave this altar call. And I remember just so, so strongly needing to respond, to allow Jesus to forgive all of my wrongdoings. And I remember that so incredibly vividly. I can see everything about it. It was very real. But I also remember like my fifth and 27th and 34th time, and I'm kind of joking a little bit, uh, but they mostly happened after watching uh, one specific movie called Thief in the Night, or at like summer camp where instead of like ghost stories, uh, you would open the book of Revelation and read what happened at the end times or what is going to happen, I guess, more accurately in the end times and being just scared spitless and knowing like I need to give my life to Jesus again just to be sure. And if you've never watched Thief in the Night, it's like this old, super cringy um, movies from the 70s, I think, 70s. Uh, but our youth leaders had fond memories of them and made us watch them. And every time I'd be like, I need to give my life to Jesus again. But whatever the reason, whether it was revelation or thief in the night, there was something uncertain within me of like, I felt like I needed to get saved again. And honestly, unnecessarily questioning our salvation and even the validity of Jesus is pretty human. I mean, I think that's pretty... Uh, normal to come with our doubts and wondering if we missed something because as people we aren't very good with free no strings attached offers oftentimes we're looking for the catch like <laughs> what are you gonna foist on me after this because I said yes and so our gracious God the Holy Spirit assures us of our salvation with so much patience for our doubt and over and over and over again, he reminds us of God's great love for us. In Romans 8, 35, and then 38 and 39, it writes this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
that assurance from Romans is ours because the Holy Spirit is unchanging. And so he offers us that assurance of our salvation so that we can stand convinced even while watching Thief in the Night that we have had a true encounter, that we have given all of us to Jesus and that he has forgiven it all, even the things to come. And so when all else fails and those doubts and those questions start to circulate as the old hymn states, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. At Evangel, our mission statement is that we aspire to be a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus, receive his love, and look more and more like him each day. Now I mentioned a funny word, sanctification, and that is um, just this process of being sanctified and in like super layman's terms, looking more and more like Jesus each day. This is another piece of our salvation when we choose Jesus because sanctification is just this process of being made holy. It's, it's this distancing from our sin and our brokenness that kind of this gradual um, thing that happens as we walk more and more with Jesus. The things that once maybe looked attractive and would um, get us into trouble those things that like we found ourselves addicted to, that our brokenness cried out to over and over and again, those things look less and less attractive as Jesus looks more and more attractive and the things of God look more and more attractive. And so at the beginning of our faith journey, maybe that separation isn't super, super big, but as we grow in relationship with God, the distance should be increasing between those things. That's the process of sanctification. It's a distancing from our sin and brokenness as we find freedom, as we find life, and we find fulfillment in who Jesus is. In Romans 6, 14 to 18, it says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you're not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin? because we are not under the law, but under grace, by no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that, though you used to be slaves to sin, you've now come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Sanctification is not only a gift of the Holy Spirit because he's um, the one that does the work in us, but I'd, I'd argue that uh, it becomes kind of critical in our faith journey. Again, salvation is the beginning and the end <clears throat> But because it's the beginning, we should be walking out this, this process of looking more and more like Jesus. In Philippians 2, 12 to 13, we hear, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And there's not really a, an in-between here. There's a becoming more and more like Jesus each day or becoming less and less. There's not really a ability to be stagnant or to stop going in one of those directions. We are slaves to bondage, slaves to our brokenness, slaves to the things that, that 
our humanity would say we need or we're slaves to freedom in Jesus and we have to choose. And so we don't do this to earn our salvation. It's not critical to our salvation. We do it to prove our salvation. It's critical to our faith journey. And we're going to dig into this deeper in just a moment. So how do you know if you're becoming more like or less like Jesus? I'd say the Holy Spirit is a pretty good litmus test because it tells us in Galatians 5 that the Holy Spirit is going to grow fruit in our lives. And so as we take an account of our life, is there fruit evident? And if so, that's probably a fairly good litmus test that we are growing in our faith and in our relationship with God. And if there's less fruit growing, that might be a good litmus test that says maybe we need to ask the Holy Spirit to, to convince us of who he is and to show us the path that leads to life and where we've kind of made a U-turn along the way. Here's the fruit from Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. At our salvation, the Holy Spirit becomes our companion. He's with us always, and there's no question about that. You are never alone. God is always with you. You are never forgotten or overlooked. That's a promise that we can stand on from God. Still, the Bible is very clear about this second moment that comes with the Holy Spirit, with God, after that encounter um, with him at salvation, where we yield control of ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And we call this the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, 5, and we actually read that last week, uh, Jesus says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that can be such a strange thing to like think about. Like, am I going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit? Like, what does that look like? Because we know what baptism in water looks like, but what does being baptized in the Holy Spirit look like? And the simplest way to really explain it is that we're just yielding control of ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And through this, the believer comes to know Christ in a more intimate way and receives power to witness and grow spiritually. This is the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And there are other things that come with that, that come with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like we're, um, we read and you maybe have heard of a prayer language or somebody say speaking in tongues that can come with the baptism of the Holy Spirit where we can communicate with God in a way that um, maybe like the doubts or the questions or the fears of our mind aren't in the way of without our selfishness getting in the way. We're told of other gifts that come with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like messages of wisdom and knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, uh, which is just a fancy way of being able to say what what is of God and what is um, of Satan or demons, the gift of tongues or prayer language, not, not for the benefit of us, like speaking in tongues or that prayer language, but one that's meant to be spoken out and interpreted uh, to the church as a whole. So there are many, many wonderful gifts and things that come with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to hear me very clearly. Those things are secondary things. The reason that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so, so important is one singular reason. Jesus is coming back. 
Jesus is coming back and time is short and getting even shorter and we are called to be his witness even in hard places. We're called to be his witness even when people look at us and think we're fools. We are called to be his witness and stand up for truth when it's unpopular. And for that, we are going to need the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 tells us this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We receive the power and the ability to do what God has asked us to do through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that is the primary reason why we need to pursue it. If we are witnesses, we'd better be compelling ones, right? And when we pause, when we stop to yield control, to say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. Be completely first in charge in my life. Holy Spirit, have your way. I'm yielding who I am to you. That allows the Holy Spirit complete access to do this work of becoming more and more like Jesus within our lives. We're able to know God in a more intimate way, which allows that to rub off on us as well. It allows the Holy Spirit to shape and mold us to look like Jesus. And it helps us to have lives that declare Jesus changes everything. It allows us to go forth in boldness and strength and to share the good news that we've found. And that all of the other gifts, they're wonderful, but they are secondary. We pursue the baptism of the Holy Spirit because we need him to do what he's asked us to do. The Holy Spirit's already with us. <laughs> so we pursue him in obedience to what Jesus has asked of us. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And I love this passage because there are moments as I read the Gospels where I think, oh, how amazing would it have been to listen to Jesus talk, to see him interacting with the crowds, and then it just like kind of rings in my spirit. Oh, it's better for me that Jesus ascended into heaven because without that moment, the Holy Spirit wouldn't be my constant companion. He wouldn't be my advocate and my counselor and my guide. And Jesus said that that's for my good. It's better for me. The Holy Spirit is here. And so I want to close with this thought. It's, it's not mine. <laughs> it's the thought of Michelle Anthony. And she's a ministry mentor that I admire from afar. But she was reading this passage, John 15, 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And it struck her that it doesn't say apart from me, you can't do anything. It says apart from me, you can do nothing. Church, we can go our entire lives 
without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We can go our entire lives with the Holy Spirit as our companion. You can. You can accept salvation and have him with you. He's faithful to that promise. But why would we settle for it? When Jesus has offered us more, he's offered us this gift. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that the Father has promised. Without his power at work in our lives as we yield control over to him, we can do things. We can do so many things, but we aren't gonna have the same impact, we're not gonna have the same boldness, and we're not gonna have the same power because we won't know God as deeply as we could. So don't settle. Seek the gift that Jesus promised us. Wait, wait on the Holy Spirit, not for the rest of the things that come. Don't seek the Holy Spirit because you want these miracles to happen. Don't seek the Holy Spirit so you can have a prayer language. Don't seek the Holy Spirit because Seek the Holy Spirit because he's a gift that was promised, because God himself wants us to yield control of ourselves to him and be filled with all that we need to walk out a life in obedience to him. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit so that we may have the power to be his witnesses in every place that Jesus calls us. Let's pray. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for who you are and that you are with us, that you've promised to be with us. But I also thank you that when we yield to you, that you are ready and waiting and able to fill us, to give us that power that, the, that you um, bring to the life of a believer, to be able to be uh, witnesses in the world around us that shout from the rooftops that Jesus changes everything. I thank you for all the ways you've already been present in our life, introducing us to Jesus, pursuing us, walking out sanctification in our lives. And so Holy Spirit, we just worship you for who you are. We worship you for what you do in our lives. And would you help us to grow closer and closer to you and in deeper knowledge of who you are. We love you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.